0: Hello and welcome to the Book of Lies podcast. My name is Cara and I am your host. Welcome to episode 41 of Book of Leaves. This episode I'm going to be chatting to McKinley who is a co-founder of PAX Whole Food, Goods and Eco Store, a shop in Westport in Mayo that of course sells whole foods and eco-friendly goods and we'll be getting to know her a little bit, her journey which I find really fascinating and then of course how they went about setting up the shop, how Covid has impacted them and eco-friendly tips for this Christmas and just life in general. So I hope you will enjoy. Today is also Pax's second birthday. This It wasn't planned. I just messaged her a couple of weeks ago asking if she wanted to be on the podcast and she said, yeah, it could be a good timing as well because her second birthday is coming up, which is today. So that works out really well. Happy second birthday to Pax, of course. And I hope you all enjoyed uh, last week's, two weeks ago's episode with Laura. A lot of you guys found what you had to say really fascinating. And don't forget to write your letters to Green Santa. Get your kids or your nieces and nephews to write their letters to Green Santa and share it online about what they would like for Christmas for the planet. I'll tag Green Santa again just because it's Christmas time, of course. As anyone can see on YouTube, I'm wearing my fluffy Christmas hat. It's also extremely wintry right now, as I'm sure you're all experiencing. The condensation on my windows is fierce. It is minus four degrees. It is chilly. But that means an excuse for cups of tea, hot whiskey and mulled wine. Mm Mm-hmm. So get yourselves a nice warm drink and uh, sit back and relax and enjoy this interview. And just so you know, PAX is open at the moment. You can walk in, you can smell soaps and personal care items before buying them if you need to. They're also offering click and collect still, and of course, the actual refilling side of the business is done completely by the staff. So yeah, they're a really, really lovely business. We have so many eco-friendly businesses worth supporting in Ireland this summer, this summer, this Christmas. So if you're stuck for gift ideas for anyone in your family, shoot them a message. And honestly, they're they're so helpful. So keep that in mind for your Christmas shopping. It's a funny Christmas this year, but as McKinley will go on to say, it's the year to treat ourselves if possible. I will let McKinley do the rest of the talking now. And in the meantime, please don't forget to rate, review, share this podcast with a friend, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to review it there. It's really, really helpful. Thank you so much. And also a quick thank you to anyone who messaged me about me being on their Spotify wrapped that's just so cool. I just—it's weird. I'm still half convinced that it's just friends and family that listen to this. I can't get over it when it's people like outside my circle or people that I don't know. I just—I just think that's unreal. So thank you all so much for listening to this. You have no idea how much I appreciate it. Like it's blah, thank you, just thank you. Okay, it's great. Now I do have a Patreon account, and I buy me a coffee account mecoffee.com forward slash book of leaves patreon.com forward slash book of leaves that's where you can go if you are in a position to financially support the podcast regularly or once off this will go towards the webcast the webcast the website hosting fees and the podcast hosting fees and also the video editing app that i use and the picture editing app that i use for social media those are the four costly things involved so if you're able to contribute towards those I'd be greatly appreciative and thank you so much to everyone who has already thank you now I keep saying that's it but this is really it okay here's McKinley I hope you guys enjoy happy second birthday again to PAX and don't forget to follow them on social media for what they're doing for their birthday and stuff like that so yeah I'll catch you guys after enjoy Hello McKinley, thank you so much for joining me on Book of Leaves, you are very welcome and I'm so happy to have you here, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so to get straight into it, people will hear in a few moments that your accent is not exactly a native Irish one, so you grew up in Kentucky as far as I'm aware, so that That's... I can't even imagine what that's like I'm just so used to tiny little Ireland and I was in America (laughs) once and my thought was this is massive like what was it like growing up in Kentucky can you tell us a little about that and
1: about yourself yeah it's interesting because I think there are a lot of preconceived notions about Kentucky even in the U.S. Um, yeah so you know the U.S. is a big country and it feels like a lot of different countries in one and um, yeah so Kentucky would be you know I call it the north of the south it's kind of it's towards the east and it's it's kind of the the northern border of the southern states of the U.S. Um, and so you know there's a lot of baggage with yeah we would have been kind of typified as being like backwards or hillbillies or rednecks and stuff like that. And it's interesting because I grew up outside of the largest city, Louisville, um, like in nature. So my parents had. 10 acres of land, and they didn't farm themselves, but a lot of our neighbors would have um, been tobacco farmers. Wow. Uh, historically. And so, in my lifetime, that would have, you know, when I was young, there's still a lot of uh, tobacco farming activity, and it, and it really, yeah, kind of started to die out as I was a teenager, as they, you know, were trying to discourage people from growing tobacco but then what I saw is um then that was that was land that just went fallow and you know people didn't have really any options to turn to um but Kentucky is also really famous as um as kind of horse farm country so I was I was really involved in in riding horses and training horses and cleaning up after horses for a long time when I was (laughs) a young person that was kind of my life and um yeah I, my first career option would have been to be an equine veterinarian and i worked for one for two years when i was between 14 and 16 and actually did quite a lot of surgery and you know anesthesiology and things Whoa. Um, informally <laughs> yeah so um yeah and so i started university and studied a bit of science and then decided i wanted to do something about more people focused um
0: that's amazing so you grew up in quite in the countryside so were you Mm. aware of say the environment and environmental issues as well or did you just appreciate nature that kind of way
1: yeah I think it was more of an appreciation of nature so as I said my family didn't farm we but they they kind of informally called it a a tree farm so it's it's wooded on three sides of uh, where my parents built their house Um, and it was yeah, just, you know, I remember quite often that would have been the activity that I did with my younger brother is just head off with the dogs and go into, you know, walk along what we call a creek, a stream um, and, you know, just explore and pick up stuff. And my mom always had, uh, we always kept a nature box. That was something that she was really big on. So we would pick up a lot of things outside and bring them in and put them in the nature box because they were interesting and different or whatever. And one time that led to us hatching about a thousand uh, praying mantis babies in in the closet oh my god sorry what (laughs) yeah so they just one day we opened the kitchen closet and uh, out came loads of little mini praying mantis that we had to release outside oh my god (laughs) so you know nature teaches you lots of things that's such a good idea um about the nature
0: box but of course yeah be aware that you might like hatch like a lot of something, <laughs> something yeah. in your box. That's so cool. That's such a good idea.
1: Yeah, but then green stuff. I don't know. I mean, Kentucky. The other thing about it is, it's quite a conservative state. You yeah, know, it's part of the the South is part of what they call the Bible Belt. Um, and so you know, I wouldn't necessarily share share the same political beliefs as as my as my family. Um, and it is, um, you know, like we we were the family though my mom always was into recycling. Like we were the first people I knew, like among my peers who, you know, people used to joke, they would come to our kitchen and there'd be three different bins for separating rubbish, like far before it was the norm. Um, And then she is a, my mom's a real reuser. Like she has always reused everything, you know, and my dad would be like, would you just get rid of that? You know, but she's, you know, really committed to reusing things. But then, you know, from a. I guess a wider consciousness or broader consciousness from a political perspective. No, not. yeah, <laughs> not so much.
0: that's fair. Okay. so then, once you wanted to move on to something more people-focused after
1: doing science, so what, what did you end up doing then? Well, yeah, then I, then I was real confused for a bit, I guess. No, I started university, um, and the nice thing about university in the US is you can be undecided when you start. You know, you don't have to have a strict, kind of strictly defined path. You're not on a particular course. So I went to um, a large university, and I just, you know, the first year I took quite a few science classes thinking maybe I would go on to be a veterinarian, which you have to do four years of university and then another four years of vet school in the US for that. Um, and I started taking also some humanities courses. And so I did. Um, oh, and I was required to take a foreign language, which I'd only done Latin before. And so wow. um, I, I chose Spanish in, in university. And that was kind of after, yeah, after my first year of university, I went to Haiti kind of on a trip to you know help. And so we were helping you know in an orphanage and you know a lot of things that would you know not you know, I might examine more critically now, but you know, we were helping down there and that was my first time really outside of the U S and it was also the first time of, you know, being a a minority. And it was such a great experience to, you know, to be among people who were really different from me and to hear people speaking a language that I didn't understand. And it made me really think, Oh gosh, I, you know, like there's a lot more to the world than I've been used to growing up in Kentucky. Mm. And, um, I'd like to, kind of learn more about that. So I got more serious about Spanish after that. And um, yeah, so then I did a summer in Mexico with a group of university students. And we kind of worked at a cafe and taught English lessons informally. And after that, then I really focused on, I switched my um my kind of f- focus studies to, uh, Spanish literature and Latin American studies. And so that's, that's what I focused on. And I did, you know, some call it psychology and English literature. Cause yeah, in the U S it's a lot more like you can take lots of classes and learn, you know, lots of things and then get a degree. Um, and yeah, so I, I focused on Spanish then, and I did a semester abroad in Mexico then where, um, you know, I was the only foreign student, so it was a good immersion. Um, And uh, yeah, then immediately after university, I moved to Mexico. I taught English for a year in university and then um, moved back to the US for a really short amount of time and then went and worked for a tequila company in Mexico for two years. Interesting.
0: Okay, so (laughs) we're currently working for a tequila company in Mexico and we're now in Westport... Um, in a zero way shop. So I will link the docs eventually. How, where did it come up that you ca- ended up in little old tiny wet cold Ireland then
1: after like so many mad experiences? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I loved Mexico, but it wasn't, um, I guess it just wasn't a place that I, You know, I I was working in a job um, for a large company, and and I started working with um, a couple of the guys in the environmental area, and so we started. um, They were they hadn't been doing any recycling, so we started recycling both in the offices and at the production facilities, and then we started like a green team of employees at both locations as well. and we started doing community outreach and um yeah, just I just loved it. But it wasn't something I was gonna do forever. So it was, you know, it was a great two year experience. I went back to the US for a really short amount of time and then the company I um was working for, I moved to Germany for what was supposed to be a three month assignment and I ended up staying about seven years in Hamburg. That's in what Germany.
0: Germany does to you. It's amazing. Oh my god, I
1: love Germany. Oh Hamburg is so amazing. Wow, seven years there, cool. Yeah. But that's where then I met my Irish husband, now husband, yeah, and we, um, yeah, so our first daughter was born in Germany and then we moved, uh, to, to Westport in, uh, yeah, it's been nearly four years and, um, yeah and so here we are so after yeah after having working remotely in Ireland for the company that I had tried to leave you know for for many years trying to find something else I finally after my second maternity leave just yeah it decided yeah I've got to do something else I started looking into setting up the business and at the same time they thankfully reorganized while I was on maternity leave and um, yeah I said you know great I'll take redundancy thanks very much and that's how I had some capital to start the business.
0: <laughs> oh my god amazing so that happened Pax we will now all have said in the introduction but of course it's the second birthday today so this is two years ago. So did you know Kirsten and um, the co-founder then before or how did you come about meeting her? Yeah so
1: I when I first moved to Ireland one of the things I noticed compared to Germany was the amount of packaging in supermarkets and also the limited options, especially for organic foods. And mm-hmm. so the thing about Westport is there are some options for, you know, shopping locally. So there's always been a country market here in Westport and um, Kirsten was selling at the country market. So she was kind of colloquially known as the seaweed lady and um, she, she made products. So she sold different types of seaweed, but then she made breads and other things, granola from uh, with seaweed in it. So, you know, that was she had to stand at the regular market or organic vegetable farmers, organic meat farmers, um, women making jams, you know, different things. So I would have been like a regular, you know, going every week um, and we just, you know, started chatting and that's how we kind of connected first. So, you know, it wasn't like a, you know, big, long relationship or anything, but we did, you know, notice that we had similar interests and things.
0: Amazing. And had yeah. you, I guess, or your partner or Kirsten had any experience setting up, doing something like this before? Like no. were, were you were just jumping in completely. No, totally.
1: I mean, I spent a lot, a lot of years, honestly, thinking about what else I would like to do. And I actually had taken a break from my company while I was living in Hamburg. I went and did a master's degree in London focused on labor, social movements and international development. So it was really about like how people work in the world. We read a lot about, you know, food production and how corporate entities control a lot of of that. And, but we know, I mean, I had, because the large company that I worked for, I was in human resources always, but I would have had to work with finance people a lot. I got exposure to things. And so I thought, okay, you know, I have a have a bit of background, a bit of understanding about how things work, um, and just a real drive to do something totally different. And, you know, in the West also it wasn't like I could easily switch jobs or find a different company to work for, you know, here, um, you know, people are here for the lifestyle, but there aren't always a lot of employment opportunities. And so, you know, a lot of people in this part of the world are doing their own thing out of necessity. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to, you want to live here, you have to come up with something to support yourself. So, um, yeah, that was, that was it kind of. I'd say that was pretty like tough, but you're doing so well
0: now is, is PAX, the only kind of eco-friendly like whole food store in Westport or were you kind of going into something pre-existing or were you, were you breaking a no. mold?
1: Yeah no so we in ha- Westport has a couple of you know the larger scale supermarkets and things like that yeah I mean and health food shops but um, no kind of whole food Things And I'd actually talked to the local health food owner shop owner a few times about, you know, would she consider doing more kind of packaging free things or anything like that? And then she just didn't, you know, have the space or the capacity to do it. And so it was yeah. a little bit like, okay, you know, if if I'm ready to make a change, then this, you know, there might be a good opportunity. And I had actually been a friend of mine had invited me to a talk that a local teacher actually did at the Westport Town Hall. She Um, was just telling people how she tries to live a zero waste life. And they had it originally scheduled for the upstairs room, uh, which had a capacity for 30 people. And pretty soon they figured out there were a lot more than 30 people would come to hear the talk. And so they moved it to the main um, kind of theater room. And there were several hundred people who turned out to listen to this woman talk about zero waste. And so I kind of thought, Wow, there might actually be enough people in this community just rag- waiting for you know someone to do this um and then since then we're not the only so we're you know the kind of the largest shop in Mayo of it's kind of obviously but then and there's a smaller shop in Ballina that does some packaging free goods um and then since we've opened you know there are a couple more in the west as well that have opened um yeah. and it's just because there there is demand there are mm. loads of people looking for the opportunity to shop packaging free and we would have customers you know from outside mayo in normal times um you know from from surrounding county sligo roscommon galway Clare, who would travel to us occasionally or if they know they're passing through mayo they would have their jars ready to stop in and you know refill so yeah it's been that's amazing, amazing.
0: and this is this is something both of us wanted to bring up as well that when you compare it to dublin i mean dublin is there's so many it gets a lot of press and attention because it's the capital, there's so many people Mm -hmm. here. And I guess, you know, like with any city, what progresses around the country probably progresses there first in ideas and whatever. So there's so many I couldn't even count off the top of my head the eco-friendly businesses and shops there are in Dublin so do you think there's like a perception that maybe it's not as needed in the countryside because my own view would be like there's some people in the country who are actually more clued in with nature they're not doing it because it's niche or it's a bandwagon they're doing it Because it's either what they've always done, you know, with farmers markets or, you know, they're used to it. So what What are like, what are your thoughts on that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we've learned over time because it was hard for me to say even at the beginning, you know, who my customers would be. I kind of thought a customer would be similar to me, that there would be people, you know, around my age or in my situation, you know, young family, whatever, who you know, is looking for some alternative, but we have customers from all walks of life, all ages. And that's, what's really amazing. And, you know, we've seen people who, you know, came on the first day out of curiosity to check it out like what is this all about and now you know we see them every week with a load of jars to refill yeah I've got I've got an extra jar this week let's put something else in it or you know yeah this is my first time refilling that the cleaning products or whatever but you know let's go for it I'm ready to try it and it's you know it's' It doesn't happen overnight for everyone, but yeah, there is a lot of consciousness here. You know, the, the people who have lived here forever, absolutely, who are really connected to the land and um, you know, see, you know, they, they're beach walkers. So they, they see the litter and they're picking it up, up all the time or they're going out to, to the mountains and they see, you know, impact there as well. Um, but then there are a lot of blow-ins too who just feel really strongly about like, this is a great place to live. And, you know, we want to keep it that way. And so we've, it's underestimated, you know, how, how many people we have just really committed to, to shopping like this, to more supporting a business like ours, to, to, to lugging their jars in, you know, every time for their shop or whatever. Um, You know what we find in the west is people aren't nearly as active on social media and so that's you know that's that's the thing you know that we don't have as many followers but we do have such a low loyal cohort of people and you know that's the main thing is you know the community just absolutely embraced us. That's
0: so amazing to hear and then I guess how did COVID then affect you guys and you know did you have an online shop before that or did that force you to kind of move on What was that like?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, it's been a whirlwind. I started the business yeah, two years ago when my youngest was eight months old and I'd obviously been setting up the business, you know, way before she was
0: even eight months old. and That is extremely admirable, to say the least. I can barely, yeah. <laughs> like, run a podcast with no kids and a part-time job. So,
1: <laughs> well done. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it just, you know, it just had to happen and it happened. um But, you know, that's the thing is, uh you know, it's kind of like, I don't know anything. The, the business has just always been a bit, you know, Been a lot going on and, you know, growing and adding more products to the range. Although when we started, we kind of, you know, decided we're going to offer a really good selection of organic foods for people. And then what we've added are kind of more of the non food products over time, although we started out with. quite a lot of those as well. And so, you know, things were going well, we were building the business quite well, you know, reaching out, expanding, you know, last year I would have done a lot of events uh, with different groups to talk about the shop, to talk about zero waste, to talk about reusing. Um, and so, you know, there were things lined up for this year that went away. And, you know, at the start of COVID, it was just so funny because, you know, we knew things were coming, but, uh, you know. Without having any kind of clarity as a business, you don't know how to react until you have to react. And so we kind of decided to stop letting people in before the lockdown happened because we noticed, you know, customers being uncomfortable and also the nature of our refill shop. We you know, people are moving around, people are touching a lot of different things because we would have let customers do it all themselves. Mm. Um, You know, it was a it was a big shock. And we had one employee who actually went on maternity leave a bit early because she, you know, just didn't feel very comfortable. And, you know, we just didn't know what to do. And so initially, then during lockdown, we Said, okay, you know we're we're so open. We're just not letting people in. We'll do all of your filling for you. So bring your jars. But then, if you don't feel comfortable, if you just want to order, then email us an order. But then, you know, it wasn't even two weeks of people emailing orders. We're like, this is just not going to work because, you know, we're getting orders that said, you know, chickpeas uh rice and whatever and it's like well what type of rice we have six different types of rice <laughs> you know how many grams those kind of things and so then it was just a big rush to get the website up first for locals to kind of click and collect you know and it just to be more efficient for us to have an order to look at and know exactly what people wanted but then also to kind of cater to the people that I mentioned earlier would travel from around to visit us and still wanted to be able to have food you know in in better packaging, because obviously Mm. if we're shipping it, we put it into paper bags, food safe paper bags, instead of plastic packaging. Um, But then, you know, people could also order, but it's, it's worked really well. And, you know, recently the online orders have picked up obviously for Christmas and, you know, people are a lot more conscious about, you know, finding things that are handmade by local people. So we have a big personal care range and, you know except for one toothbrush or one one brand of tooth taste that's you know from England you know nearly all of I, I don't buy personal care items from you know other countries because there are just a number of amazing people in Ireland making you know face creams and hand yeah. balms and lotion and even you know exfoliation and bath salts and everything like um, that stuff doesn't need to be imported. they're just amazing people using really great natural and organic ingredients amazing so now people like all across Ireland can shop
0: online of packs as well if that's they great. yeah that's so so cool well done on that um now moving towards I guess the time of year that it is and and you set up this eco-friendly store so have you got any tips for people um either as a parent because you've got two little ones yourself but general tips for people that you adopt at Christmas time or even just general your your personal favorite like eco-friendly things to do
1: perfect um yeah so it's you know this is a hard year and we're we're feeling it you know like we you know as a business and just as individuals we've had to adapt to so many changes this year and so one of the things that we kind of decided in our family is we're going to make it just special like we're going to treat ourselves a bit more and that's the thing you know about eco-friendly is you don't you don't have to deprive yourself like we sell a lot of stuff packaging free but a lot of it is really delicious chocolate made in Ireland and stuff like that you can Mm. still have a great time you know (laughs) and eat really delicious things um it just doesn't have all the packaging on it um and so we kind of have we started decorating for Christmas a little bit earlier and we just only use secondhand decorations um I got a lot from my mom she saved some from my childhood and gave them to us and then we've been making some Um, and we've done some decorations you know that we sell um, so you know a 3D little Christmas tree and so uh, the girls got to decorate that and we're going to use it as kind of our little advent calendar space Um, so we'll Little things next to it. So when I say we're treating ourselves, we're gonna, you know, make kind of gifty things for each other ideas for, you know, here's a coupon to spend time with, you know, one of us one on one as kind of, you know, one parent, one child, um, special time, um, and then, you know, other activities, and, you know, just little bits little delicious bits. Um, I mean, my girls really, you know, if anything, they just, you know, they're really happy with hot chocolate and popcorn. Uh, So, you know, that's something, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's, we can do, (laughs) we can do tokens for those kind of things. Um, And they just really like any kind of, you know, crafty things. One of the things recently, my husband actually um, found a big bag of marbles he had when he was a kid and they were delighted with that. So I'm just, you know, we're just trying to think creatively about things, you know, that excite us and make us feel good without having to go out and buy something new. So that's kind of one tip I would have. And then yeah. the other one, you know, there's a lot of talk about, like, wrapping and stuff like that. Some people, you know, say, you know, I really want to use, you know, wrapping paper, so I'll just use brown paper and recycle it. And that's fine. We just – we don't sell it in our shop. We've just partnered with um, a local maker who makes um, – pouches and wrapping out of uh, vintage linen. So we sell those as an option. Um, and they're just really beautifully done, handmade. Some of them are hand stamped and things like that. But you don't even have to do that. I mean, you, you know, most people like I, I would have had a collection of like kind of vintage scarves that I'd picked up at flea markets when I lived in Germany and stuff like that. And those make a great way of wrapping uh, gifts. And they're really unique and individual. And then, you know, one tip I have for parents is... It's just kind of a mental shift. But I grew up in a house where when Santa Claus brought us presents, none of them were wrapped. Same. And so that is my biggest tip because I'm like, Santa doesn't have to wrap the presents. You can just put them under the tree. (laughs) Yeah. And I also, as a
0: child, like I remember walking in and when you see what you get, like my parents got the, you know, the... The actual wow on their face—it's not like the the amount of presents or the size of them. It's the fact that you can actually see
1: the yeah. bike
0: or you know yeah. the books or whatever, and you saw it all at once. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't think I think Santa, to be honest, really like He's needs over to stop wrapping, wrapping all those presents. I think yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's a good tip, and I guess um, more generally speaking, then with two little ones, have you had? Did you try the kind of like cloth nappy route?
1: Oh yeah, cloth nappies. We still have, so the youngest is still in cloth nappies. We're still trying oh. to convince her to <laughs> to. To ditch them because we've used them for now, you know, many years. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I was kind of committed to that. Um, Even before my first was born, I had a couple of friends um, and a relative who had used them. And so I asked all the questions and whatever. And we've done. Yeah, we've done it. And, um, you know, it is a bit commitment. I'm not going to lie. Like we do extra washes every week because we have to do a load of nappies, you know, at least twice a week. But it is, you know, you get in the rhythm, um, definitely. And that makes a good Christmas present or, you know, baby shower gift or whatever to, you know, because it is a more, it's a, it's a bigger upfront investment, but it's cheaper, absolutely, in the long run, especially if you know you might have more than one kid. Mm-hmm. You know, once you get into it, you know, like everybody in the household has to, has to do nappy duty and stuff, like even the girls help. We air dry them on drying racks, you know, because we have a bit of space for that. Um, so they'll, you know, take down the cloth cloth wipes and put them into piles and stuff like that. You know, they love to help. So yeah, that's an option, and I'm always happy to talk about it. You know, I'm I'm definitely the one in the shop who will talk about cloth nappies and reusable menstrual goods. <laughs> you know, all all of the really fun things. <laughs> yeah yeah well
0: that's good no that's good because you have um I know I had an episode on reusable mental stuff recently uh with Augustina but you guys you have pants as well as cups um uh, Scotland has recently made period products free which is amazing but I haven't actually looked into have they made like reusable ones free as well
1: yeah I'm I'm not actually sure about that either and you know the biggest problem in places is you know like Ireland that they're still the the highest vat rate 23% on things like menstrual cups and period pants because Mm. they're just not, you know, there's the the wording is not right in the legislation, you know? So we hope to do some campaigning around that. There's also a, it's an offshoot of the voice Ireland. They have at no plastic period and we'll be doing a giveaway with them. They've, they've created kind of reusable um, menstrual, Good education for um, secondary school students, and they'll be doing their pilot program starting next month, I think, in Mayo, which is really exciting.
0: That is so exciting. There's another project actually that you're part of that I wanted to ask you about is the edible landscape project. Yeah, so I've never talked about that on this podcast, I don't think. So, can you tell us a little bit about what that is?
1: Yeah, so I am. Yeah, I'm just a member supporter, you know, pretty active and and do meet with the board. So it's an organization that focuses on edible landscapes. So they've done over the years a lot of planting of trees in and around Westport that, you know, are either fruit trees or nut trees where people can, you know, engage with, you know, this is a tree that will grow. It will, um, you know, provide a lot of benefits to both the community and to nature, but it's also something that we can engage with as in, you know, eat from and things like that. And so, you know, through the act of planting a tree or other edible species, people learn about how to eat seasonally, how to eat locally. How to support biodiversity and you know, just how to think about how their food choices also impacts the environment. So that's it's a, that's it in a nutshell basically.
0: Yeah, and do they host kind of like talks online or is there anything kind of online at the
1: moment yeah, or there in the of, yeah, there are a couple of um episodes of a podcast online although that's not the main focus it was a bit of a side project and then there I think online there is uh we did a big event last year on food and climate change and I think that the audio is available online I'll check that for you um but yeah it was it was a really interesting event because we had local farmers we also had a, a local GP who talked about you know the impact of you know really nutritious food on um and, and she talked actually about a plant-based diet um, for, for health and, uh, and the environment. And then there were other specialists on biodiversity also speaking. And so, yeah, it was a really great event. We had, you know, and the Westport Town Halls hosting all kinds of great, <laughs> great events. So we had really good turnout for that as well. Um, and then the Edible Landscape Project is really, you know, gearing up to do a lot more planting, starting in Mayo and then hoping to go nationally. So getting communities involved. Um, But they did planting, you know, kind of earlier this year, right before lockdown at a local secondary school so the teachers and students
0: were involved in that yeah well I'll link it in the show notes anyway and then anyone who wants to learn from them can check it out or if they want to get involved um, they can get in touch hopefully Um, when I think when I hear edible landscape my brain goes to Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory
1: (laughs) in his room where
0: like everything is edible (laughs) but like I talked about before with Mary Reynolds there is a such thing as like a forest garden that's so amazing and I guess before um we close off I always ask people um how they kind of like to deal with the Pressures of the world, and I can only imagine as well. You're also, you know, from America, so Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know we get stressed about American politics. So I can't imagine how it feels for you. So I guess, like, what what was that like for you? Actually, you know, have you are you able to to vote from over here? Yeah, I did vote.
1: Yes, I did vote. Yeah. So as long as you're American citizen, you can vote. You have to, you know, you have to register in advance and all of that stuff. And 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 you know, depending on your state, I had to actually physically print it out fill it in and and post it back you know we all heard about the postal ballots and things like that um but yeah I did my part although Kentucky you know always votes a little bit differently than I would like (laughs) a lot differently but um yeah how do I I try to tune out? I mean there's from for me also growing up as an American and you hear kind of the level of uh discussion that happens there you know in the U.S. the political is personal and the personal becomes political, you know? And so for me, yeah, I grew up in a family, yeah, we would have quite different views on a number of things. And so in a lot of ways, uh, you know, there's you know, my focus first is on maintaining a relationship with my family, not letting politics, um, you know, ruin that, but Mm -hmm. doing what I can, you know, from afar. But, you know, in a lot of ways, like this year, it's just easy when you're just kind of worn out and don't know what to do to to find yourself scrolling. And yeah, I've just decided that's not helpful for me or healthy. So I try to focus on other things, listening to podcasts such as this one that are, that are, you know, informative, that give us great things that we can do to make a difference. Um, I think that's it is is just trying to maintain you know positive action and in the first lockdown when we had nice weather it was really always about getting out every day so we live actually outside of Westport we have um, about an acre so it's you know we have a bit of space and we're just trying to you know really spend time outside with our kids growing whatever we can Um, and also we're replanting so we this acre quite a lot of it was just kept as a I don't know, a big lawn, and there's no reason for it, especially because, you know, in the last couple of weeks, it's been raining torrentially most days here, and it's like a bog, you know, quite a lot of the year, and so what we've done over the last few years is just, you know, every year put in more trees. So this year, we planted another 25 alders to soak up more water, and um, yeah, so now I think at this point, we've planted about 150 trees over three years, which is that's the one thing I'm like, okay, there I can see something really positive. Yeah. <laughs> right in my front done. garden.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, and
1: when I say trees, we plant them really small, bare rooted whips, you know, that's the the cheapest option, but year on year, you know, they're they're growing and you know, we can we can see that and you know, I'd say by next year, the the biggest planting that we did the first year it'll feel very kind of forestry, but foresty by the time the the trees are a bit bigger. So, yeah.
0: That's so lovely. Yeah, so good advice for people to
1: tune out and plant trees. (laughs) That's what you can always do. Have you any plans for your second birthday? We do. Yeah, we'll be doing some giveaways. We'll be doing some kind of features to say, you know, so we have, um, yeah, at the moment, five members of staff and we'll be talking about kind of our favourite products and things like that. Um, We... Um, yeah, so we'll be c- covering the food sections and the non food sections, and we'll be, you know, talking about some of the suppliers we worked with from the very beginning. Um, because, you know, for, for 2021, we're just doubling down on, you know, really working with Irish suppliers. So, yeah, with another, um, two, two women. So they're called Hands Food Studios. So they're based in, uh, with me. We've kind of pre ordered with them from a farmer who will be growing some beans for us this year year some beans and peas so you know that's those are the kind of initiatives is to really start to see how can we influence you know farmers to say well we can sell this much in a year would you be able to produce these things um you know so they're just to support kind of organic growing in Ireland as well and then just continue to you know work with smaller um, makers and and things, um, yeah. So try and well,
0: I'll be, I'll be sure to share some of those things online. Thank you so so much, McKinley. I love chatting to you. Um, thank you for giving me your time, and also thank you for listening to the
1: podcast. Uh, really really appreciate it. Yeah, same for us. We really appreciate you um having us on, and um yeah, we'll continue to support uh what you're doing because yeah, I've learned a lot just listening. Even the the last interview you did with Laura was super fascinating.
0: Oh wow. Well, I know yeah another superwoman I have so many superwomen on this podcast <laughs> and you're one of them so thank you yeah. so so much and happy second birthday <laughs>
1: thanks thanks
0: Sarah. now I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with McKinley and were able to take a leaf or two from her book one of the things that I'm going to be doing is the nature box. I think that's so cool but obviously try to avoid hatching thousands of tiny creatures inside as McKinley said, if you have any questions about eco-friendly products, especially the ones like cloth nappies or menstrual products, she is the one to ask. She's so so helpful. Shoot them a message on Instagram. They actually sent me a pair of Wuka pants. The I think that's how you say it, Wuka. <laughs> the these reusable menstrual pants, which I'll be reviewing and sticking that up on social media. Um. So thank you again so much for those pants, McKinley. And yeah that is it I think don't forget to give them a follow support your local eco-friendly store they're open for business at the moment and the staff are doing all the refilling so it's super safe but you can still like go in walk around and smell the nice smellable things and whatnot before you buy so I'm very jealous of people in Mayo that get to visit PAX and I can't wait for the day where I go on my trip to Climb Kirkpatrick and I will absolutely pop in to PAX as well so I look forward to meeting them in person and and yeah, I think that is everything. As always, please get in touch if you have any requests or suggestions for topics or people on this podcast. And yes, sign up to my Patreon for a weekly or not weekly. Gosh, I wish I had the time. Monthly newsletter updates on what I'm doing and also what past present and future interviewees of the podcast are up to any kind of news there and yeah I think that's it thank you again so much for listening stay safe wrap up warm and I will be back with you in two weeks time to listen to our last podcast episode of 2020 where we can say goodbye good riddance to this year yeah that's it so go forth give your eco-friendly businesses some love this Christmas and give yourself some love you deserve it. I love you. Okay? Honest Scott. You're all great. That's it. Okay. <laughs> Mind yourselves. I'll be back in 2 weeks. Bye. <laughs>